our apostle, our example. Real simple. I'm grateful that the greatest thing that can happen in a person's life is when they get saved. Uh, nothing surpasses that. Uh, I remember at the age of 24 that came real to me. You know, I think sometimes uh, we make professions of faith, but there's what we say, there's not a possession of that faith. And I remember I had made a profession prior, but things still, ne there was never anything going on in my life spiritually inside of me. And one day at the age of 24, that's when I stepped out by faith. And it went to my heart, and it changed my life from that moment on. It's been a journey. I've had my ups and downs, but God's been faithful, and he'll be faithful to you. And I was just thinking how that Christ loved us, died for us, was buried, and he rose again. And that alone is enough to save a person. And we know this, it's a definite experience. Okay? Something happens between us and God. We're reconciled. A new relation begins with him. So it's a definite experience. And uh, some people say, well, I don't remember ever being saved. I, I don't see how you could forget ever being saved. Forgive me. Uh, is it uh, possible? I don't know. But uh, like somebody said, uh, I was there when it happened. <laughs> it's a definite experience. It's also an instant experience. The moment you put your faith in Christ and that gospel, it's at that very moment immediately all your sins are forgiven. You become a child of God, and the Spirit of God comes to take up residence with inside your body. And that all happens just like that once you believe in your heart. And then it's a humbling experience. The reason it's humbling is that I'm coming before a holy God with all of my baggage, all of my sin. And as Isaiah said, woe is me. <laughs> It is a humbling experience. You have to bow and just say, I'm a sinner, I need you, I believe what you've done for me. And then it's a spiritual experience. It's something supernatural. You can't see with the eye, but you know it's happened. Now, the Bible says it's from above. That's why it's supernatural. And then it's a changing experience. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I had read that there are 33 things that happens to a person who becomes a Christian. And the other day, I was looking at a list of 100 things <laughs> that happens to somebody who gets saved. The, and the bottom line is, a lot of good things happen to you when you become a Christian. That's just automatic. And then it's a lasting experience. It never goes away. He gives us everlasting, eternal life the moment that you believe. Now, it wouldn't be eternal if it were to stop along the way. That's why we say once in Christ, always in Christ. Once you're taken out of Adam because you believe the gospel, he places you, baptizes you, unites you, places you into the body of Christ, that that moment, from then on, you have everlasting life. And then it's a complete experience. Uh, it's completed. I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. And it's all dependent upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, he that 
which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He's not only the author of our faith, but he's also the finisher of our faith. So once you're in Christ, God says, you're mine forever now. So you don't have to doubt that or question that. And so I'm grateful for such a great salvation. Now, I want to talk about uh, Paul, our apostle, our example. And I was asked about this, so I wanted to give it today. First of all, we go by time past to but now, today, to the ages to come. We go from here, time past, takes all this in, but now, the body of Christ that we're in today, we're raptured up, and then the ages to come. That's how you look at Scripture. That's how you can interpret Scripture properly when you do that. Now think of time past. Ephesians 2, 11, 12. Wherefore remember that you being in, what? Time past, Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time, Time passed, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. There was a time in time past that took in the dispensation of innocence, the dispensation of conscience, and then government, and then it goes on to promise here, and then the law. During those times, the majority of that time, there was a division in a sense. Israel was favored and the Gentiles were not. And the reason that came about is because the Gentiles continually had rejected God. They said, no, we don't want you, God. God had to destroy the world by a flood one time. Later on, the Tower of Babel happened. So God says, I need to get me a people who will love me for who I am. And he created the nation of Israel, making a promise and taking out the first one by the name of Abraham. And that started the promise. And in each dispensation, God dealt differently with that group of people based upon what man had done. And my mic keeps going out when I turn. So keep me going, man. I'll get that up there. So there's time passed. And then Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Now today, that's where we are today. We're in the but now period of time, okay? Israel said no to God, and God has temporarily set them aside. Now today, but now, it's the dispensation of grace. And he's working with us today in the body of Christ. And the important thing is, if you notice, time past goes in Genesis through the four Gospels through Acts 7. With the body of Christ today, it starts mid-Acts and it goes through Romans through Philemon in your scripture. So you have the time past, when he dealt with Israel, 
you have the but now. He's dealing with us today, the body of Christ, okay? And uh, then the ages to come is in Ephesians 2, 7. That in the what? Ages to come. Luke chapter 18, verse 29 says, And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time, now get this, and in the world to come, life everlasting. The world to come there are the ages to come. And that will happen over here for Israel and their promised kingdom. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, this is in Acts 2 through Acts 7, and have tasted of the heavenly gift, the Spirit of God came down, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Now get this. And have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the what? The world to come. Over here in early Acts, they experience some of the promised new covenant, some of the promise of the Spirit of God and the things of God, but they said no, so God shut that down. But one day it will be resurrected over here as we're raptured out of here and God deals with the nation of Israel once again, and that's in the future. Amen? So... You have time past. He deals with Israel. It's called prophecy. It's called the prophetic program to Israel. Israel said no to God. So he had a mystery, a hidden truth that he's been revealing now through the Apostle Paul. So it's mid-Acts, Romans through Philemon. Then the ages to come will start when the body of Christ, us, were raptured up out of here, he deals with the prophetic program again. There's a lot of prophecy that has not been fulfilled yet, but it will be fulfilled during this time when God resumes his dealings with Israel. So you have time past, but now, and you have ages to come. Today, we're to follow Paul's apostleship. Follow his gospel and follow his pattern. That's for us today. Amen. We're not shortchanging any of the Bible. We love all the Bible. <laughs> but we know who our apostle is today. Our apostle is not the 12. Our apostle is Paul. He's for us today. 1 Timothy 2.7 says this, Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Romans 16. Now to him that is a power to establish you according to my gospel. And I'm going to stop there for a second. The twelve did not preach the gospel that Paul preached at least until after Paul explained it to them later on. They preached a kingdom message. Paul preached a gospel message. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ sufficient to wash away all your sins. And he says, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the what? 
the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. But now, we're in the but now time, <laughs> is made manifest, it's appeared, and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God and so on. So there we see Paul has a gospel that had been hidden, but now God has revealed it. 1 Corinthians 1, 17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. The gospel has nothing to do with baptism. Amen? But to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross, his finished work, is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it, the cross, is the power of God. There's a devil's lie that's going around the world today that states the cross was not sufficient to wash away all your sins. They say Christ had to go to hell and suffer for three days at the hands of the devil and the demons and all of that and be born again in hell and then rise from the grave. That is heresy. The cross is enough, it's sufficient to wash away all your sins. The gospel is simple, 1 Corinthians 15. For I delivered unto you first of all, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You believe in that from your heart, that's enough to save you. Amen? Just believe it. It states in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, Christ, who was delivered for our offenses, our sins, and was raised again for our justification. The reason Christ raised from the grave is the Father accepted his sacrifice for all sin once and for all. And Christ rose from the grave victoriously. And he says this in chapter 5, verse 1 then. Therefore, being justified, how? By faith. Church membership, being baptized, giving your money, trying to follow the commandments, living a good, clean life. No, by faith. Faith in another person and what they have accomplished for me. That's what I am to believe. 1 Timothy 1.16, Paul says, Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me, what? First... Christ is the first in the body of Christ. He's the first to know about the new program, the mystery program given to the body of Christ. Might show forth all long suffering. Now get this, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life ever. Paul says, I'm the pattern. And the reason he's the pattern is, were saved by grace. How was Paul saved? He wasn't looking for Christ. He was going to get people who believed Christ as their Messiah. And Christ knocking down on the road to Damascus and wonderfully saved him. Paul did nothing, all of grace. That's why he's the pattern for us. He's the first. And the question usually comes, where do you think Paul got his words from? Where do I think that? Well, Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. 
Man didn't teach me this. The 12 didn't teach me this for sure. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation, the personal intelling of Jesus Christ. Christ left heaven to reveal himself to Paul and give him this new truth about the body of Christ. That's how he got it. Ephesians 3, 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he, Christ, made known unto me the mystery as I wrote it afore in a few words. Paul says, the reason I have this new message that I call my gospel now, it's not the 12's gospel, theirs was a kingdom gospel. Mine is a heavenly gospel. Mine's a gospel of grace. We're not under law. And so Paul here is saying, listen, Jesus Christ gave me the truth about what I'm teaching you. 1 Thessalonians 4.15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Paul's saying, I'm not teaching you these truths because they come from me. I'm teaching you these truths because Christ has revealed these truths to me to share with you. Paul's message is nothing less than the message of Christ from heaven. Paul is sharing Jesus' own words. Paul himself warns against words, messages that are not Christ. He said, if, if the message and the words don't come from Christ, they don't count. 1 Timothy 6.3, For if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, now get this, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. He said, listen, they have to be the words of Christ. And the reason Paul could say he's speaking the words of Christ. He wrote 13 books of the New Testament, by the way, and he said, I was under inspiration. I was under revelation. That's why I can share Christ's words with you. Some say, aren't Jesus' words in the four Gospels more binding upon us now than Paul's epistles? They say, back here in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, aren't Jesus' words back here more binding up on us than the Apostle Paul's, Romans through Philemon? Well, you judge. Jesus, his earthly man, he was under law back here. You want to be under law? Wouldn't you rather receive his words under grace? Romans 15, 8 says this here. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the Jews for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to who? Who's their fathers? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12, and then the 12. <laughs> you know, the 12 sons of Jacob and then the 12 apostles. 
So that's very, very important. Allow that. We're not saying that Christ's words back here were not important. They were vital, but Israel said no to them. So today, he revealed truth to the apostle Paul to reveal to us. First Corinthians 14.37 If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Amen? Amen? I wish somebody would have taught me that years ago. Huh? We go in this life and we just go by our denomination. We just go by our tradition. We just go by what people have said, or pastors or family, opinions, and on and on it goes. Thank God the lights came on one day. And I saw this is of God. Paul's new words, new information, new mystery program never looks down upon Christ's words, never looks down upon previous dispensations and how they operated. Paul quite often, Romans through Philemon, quotes a number of Old Testament passages. He loves all the word of God. But remember, Christ himself gave this new truth to him and gave him this, but now, this new gospel of grace to the apostle Paul. Acts chapter 20, verse 24 says this here. But none of these things move me, neither can I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And what a gospel it is. To be able to know that it's by grace through faith alone that saves us. No works required, just faith in the finished work of Christ. Paul was not on an eagle trip. He was not trying to make himself important like people say today. 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Ephesians 3.8, he says, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given. Then he says in 1 Corinthians 15.9, For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. That was before he got saved. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. If it weren't for the grace of God, you'd be nothing. Amen. Well, Paul experienced that grace too. He says, I am what I am by God's grace. All the word of God for us is for our learning. It's an example. It's for our profit. But Paul's epistles are directly, specifically, strictly for us today, for us in the body of Christ today. Those other scriptures deal with the prophetic program in Israel. We can learn truths from them. We can uh, see what history of past and what history going forward will be one day for Israel. We can learn certain 
things about God. We can learn principles. We can make application. But it's Paul's epistles that's directly to us, that's for us today. But Christendom, Christendom, they had made scripture that was given to Israel there and here and tried to bring it over and place the body of Christ under law, under bondage. And that's why you get so many that are confused and don't know what to believe or they believe the wrong thing because they have not rightly divided the scriptures. I take what God says to Israel and try to make it for today. And that's a real problem because you get all kinds of crazy doctrine when you do that. Example would be the Sermon on the Mount or its context, a couple chapters there. It actually goes from chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew. Let me ask you this. Do you sell everything and give it to the poor or give it to the church? Do you refrain from laying up treasures upon earth? Do you offer sacrifice of animals and go to the temple? Do you take no thought of tomorrow's needs? Do you forgive others in order that you might be forgiven? Do you baptize for the remission of sins? Do you try to witness and go to the world by going to Jerusalem first and going through them to spread like they did in Acts 1 and early Acts? The 12 did. We don't do that today because that is not for us today. Somebody say, Pastor, listen, you need to talk about my problems I'm having in my life. Well, listen. If you keep using Israel's verses to try to apply to your daily life, you're going to get disappointed in your life. And you're going to go down the wrong avenue before it's over. I promise you that. Why is this so important? Because without Paul's teachings given to him by Christ, we wouldn't have a lot of things. Now just listen to this. I wrote this down, and I was thinking about it. And uh, earlier on I was coughing, having problems in my throat. Now my eyes are bothering me. My legs hurt. It's great to be alive. <laughs> now... We'd have, now get it, we'd have no reason for Israel's blindness. But Paul reveals it in Romans 9 through 11. No mention of the body of Christ. We'd have no understanding of Christ in us. We'd have no rapture. He said, behold, I'll tell you, a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but in the moment and twinkling of an eye, Right? We'd have no rapture. We'd have no generation that will not die. No hope of heaven. No glorified bodies. No salvation by grace alone through faith alone in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We'd have no escape from the wrath of the tribulation. We'd have no justification without works. No understanding of when we're forgiven of sins and total forgiveness when first 
saved. It happens the moment you get saved. No explanation of spiritual blessings and us seated in Christ in heavenly places. We'd have no revelation of the mystery. We'd have no understanding of our sonships in our relationship with Christ. We'd have no completeness in Christ. No explanation of the accomplishments of Christ's work. Do you know the disciples never knew the accomplishment of the death, burial, resurrection of Christ until Paul comes along and God revealed it to him? You understand that? We'd have us not being under the law anymore. We're not under law, we're under grace. We'd have no understanding of how to live how to pray properly, how to know God's will in today's dispensation of grace. We'd have none of that without Apostle Paul. None of it. Remember today, Satan attacks us. Remember, he attacks the messenger, whoever shares this truth. He attacks the message itself, and he attacks the members <laughs> And any time we get ready to start to really do something for God, Satan knows where to attack us, to try to prevent us from sharing this truth with many other people. Some people, they say, to follow Paul. Even though Christ gave Paul his words and message, they say, you make too much of Paul. Well, he's my apostle wrote 13 books of the Bible, and it's all about the body of Christ, which I'm in. I'm not under law. I'm not under the prophetic program. I'm under the gospel of grace program, the mystery program, the body of Christ program. You know, and I've said before, following is not worshiping. <laughs> to follow means we imitate. We try to make our conduct, our behavior, our lifestyle to somewhat follow the Apostle Paul. We follow Paul's ministry, his pattern. We don't follow the man, even though he wouldn't be a bad one to follow. <laughs> We don't worship him. We don't follow the man because we understand Christ and Christ alone is Lord. Amen. He alone is Lord. Paul's gospel alone is what saves us today. Paul's the foundation layer. He's the dispenser who started it all to dispense the gospel of grace. 1 Corinthians 4.15. I'm coming down the stretch now. Just about done. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through that gospel, the gospel, the gospel of grace. 1 Corinthians 3.10, according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereupon. Now, I'm going to stop right there. Paul's the first, because he was saved in Acts 9, he's the first who God revealed this new truth, and he laid the foundation 
Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. But Paul laid it. He was the first. He didn't lay his foundation built upon the prophetic Israeli program. He built it up on the heavenly mystery program, the body of Christ. And he laid that first cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ himself. Amen? But Paul is looked down upon by most of Christendom. 2 Timothy 1.15 is so true. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And that's not the verse I wanted, but that's okay. I wanted 2 Timothy 1.15. It says, all those that are in Asia have turned from me. That right there. They've turned away from me. And today, we are few in comparison. The Apostle Paul, when he was in this earth... He had to repeatedly defend and prove his message, his gospel, and his authority, his apostleship. And let me say something. Because we believe in the gospel of grace, we also will have to defend it. I think that's so important. I want to follow Christ as he follows. I want to follow Paul as he follows Christ. It states in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Amen? That's why we follow Paul, because he followed Christ. And was he faithful? You think of what Paul went through. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes, beaten, being beaten, above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwrecks, and night and day I have been in the deep in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. These people who criticize Paul are not worthy of Paul. Do you know that? This man went through it. Why? Because Christ had revealed him the truth and he knew he had to get it out. What about us? 2 Corinthians 5.14 says this. For the love of Christ constraineth us. It motivates me. It makes me do what I normally wouldn't do. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, Christ, then we're all dead, we who have believed. That we should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. See, God calls us today to be a follower of him. And Paul set the example of how we are to follow Christ. I'm grateful for this message that we deliver. And I find it 
repulsive. <laughs> I find it in anger at times that too many Christians do not give its credibility the way that they should. They go on in life, no studying, just saying, well, I heard a few things here or there. This is the greatest truth that's ever been revealed. We're saved by grace, and there's a reason for that. And all of this explains where we are today. And so I challenge you. If you've never been saved, it's because of this message. He says, come. I'll forgive you of all your sins and give you eternal life if you will believe in your heart that I'm the Son of God. I died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. I'll do that for you. Let's everybody stand. Bow their heads if you don't mind. Just for a moment. Father, thank you for the gospel of grace message. Thank you for those before us who have stood true and kept its light. Sometimes it's just flickered a little bit. But recently we're picking up there are more and more and more grabbing hold of this truth. And it seems like you're illuminating their minds and their hearts like never before. And we want to thank you, God. We praise your holy name. God, if somebody here has never been saved, may they be saved today. Somebody's here and uh, they've been praying about a church. They want to come and belong. And when we sing the invitation, may they come. God, you do a work that only you can do in Jesus' name. And everybody said? We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you as our prayer.